0: Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect.
1: Okay, we're live. Hi Chip. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Nice to see you. Good to see you, Jason, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. All right, so it's good to, to listen to what you have to share and um, the subject of on the subject of change, you know, today's, um, today's topic. And, you know, when you suggested your misunderstanding of change, you know, I just reflected on it for a moment. And I kind of thought I spent a lifetime with a misunderstanding of how change comes about, you know, and what, what, what change is, you know, like Mm -hmm. from behavioral modification to um, multiple modalities of, um, you know, being a, Uh, a client, you know, in different types of talking therapies and Mm -hmm. and different groups and different practices um, in 12 steps, you know, like, you know, listening to people's suggestions as to how I should change. But it wasn't really until I found this understanding that it's like, I guess, mostly became effortless, you know, Mm -hmm. that it just kind of made sense, you know, like the, the, you know, all the striving and all the, um, all the trying and all the practices that I did, and all the tools and techniques that I tried to use, you know, to to make a difference in my life. But always, I used to describe it as as like um, plugging leaks, you know, with your fingers. You know, like when you'd like you would get a leak of water coming out of a pipe, and you'd put your finger on, it and it'd come out somewhere else. Then you'd have another finger on, then it it'd come out somewhere else. That was what my life was. I was trying to modify behaviour, but then you know it would come out in a different way so it was it was something that i always battled with and it looks kind of different to me now but yeah i mean i'd love to just hear from you and and see how it looks you know and and um let's see what happens
0: that sounds great jason and of course i've had the same experience before i came across the understanding of the principles and met sid banks same thing i tried many many things everything from psychology back in the early 70s and um, I was involved in Buddhism and Zen and all that kind of stuff and the same I had the same experience where I, I may get some temporary relief you know we, we'd spend Jan and I my wife and I would spend a couple of days at the Zendo in, in Vancouver and uh, it was very rigorous you know a lot of sitting to your back you couldn't stand to move <laughs> you know just like really really tough and we come home and we'd feel great you know, for the, for the first day. And I think when I look back at it now, it was just a relief <laughs> from the pain of sitting that way for two or three days, you know. So that's, that was my experience as well. And um, the way I've come to look at it now is, you know, one of the, the essence of this understanding of the three principles is that innate, you know, the term that is, is used in the, the community, innate health, well, what that means to me is um, our innate health is, is not something that's in here. It's not something in our previous experience. It's something that came before that. Uh, it's uh, another term that Sid uses in his talks is true self. It is your your true self is healthy. And just on an overview perspective, the way I see that is that the true self has never been damaged can never be damaged, will never be damaged, because it's not of this world, it comes before thought. Right? So for me, true change occurs in those precious moments when we get quiet enough through listening and, and just in a meditative state where we we feel that true self, which is the same thing as feeling health, the absence of the thinking that creates whatever is going on that's unhealthy. Right? And so true change for me has come from those moments. It has come from that quiet moment when for a split second I stop projecting my view of the world, right? And I'm just quiet and I slip into neutral. Right? And the view from neutral looking back at your life is totally different because you're not you're not trapped in the relativity of your thinking. Right? You're not trapped in that uh, circle of thought and habit and beliefs and so on and you're looking at things from neutral that's my actually my definition of what an insight is is looking from the inside out uh, looking from that quiet state and from that quiet state everything is seen in a totally different light it's seen with true understanding
1: yeah um i think it wasn't until that i um saw the the nature of thought you know that i was able to to have that space you know because to me as you were talking you know what i was what i was reflecting on was um how noisy my mind was you know and not only how noisy it was but how real that looked to me yeah. you know it was like super noisy super busy but that actually looked like my life I remember like many years ago, like 25 years ago, someone said, um, your life, your life is in your head. And it was kind of like, and, and it didn't mean anything to me at the time, but it stuck with me, you know, but it, 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 no insights came of that, you know, but it's kind of like, I still remember it to this day. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, there's nothing outside of, outside of me, you know, like there isn't anything. It's just all my, my projection. And I, and I just didn 't see that you know, and it was like that what I was thinking my, my my crazy thoughts that went through my mind on a constant basis were what looked like my life and look, looked like I had to change, but like you were saying, it wasn 't until that sort of started to just drown out and became just noise that was there and irrelevant to 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 my true self, as you described it it wasn 't you know when I started looking beyond my thinking that I started to have an experience of, of true change that felt like on solid ground, you know, that, that felt, it didn't feel like there was anything I had to maintain or something I had to do. It just felt like, oh, this kind of looks different now, you know?
0: I like the way that you put that because, you know, I think there are some misunderstandings actually even in the community about change in the sense that we think that the insight is the moment of insight is, is it, and then we think, well, I see this clearly, or I see that clearly, which is true, but insight is really just the beginning of change. It's just the beginning of learning, right? It's uh, in that quiet state, you get that chance to just uh, look at it from neutral, right? And so there's this, uh, you know, we get this beautiful feeling when we have that insight, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit more later, about the feeling. And we think that's it and then we go back to live life again and we go oh here I am again I'm thinking this again or I, I'm not I'm not feeling really happy today and what we don't see is that we have an insight and then we have to live life again and it doesn't mean that every habit and every thought that's been counterproductive for you has gone away it means that the light of that insight is now shining on that experience and that is the learning like I can think of a real graphic example for myself. Um, people who know me know that I had quite an experience with my father who was you know, pretty in rough shape as, a, as an alcoholic and an addict. And um, he heard something and changed in the last seven years of his life. And it was, it's to this day, I'm still amazed that that actually happened. But after he had this change, this incredible change, I had never introduced him to my kids other than he saw them when they were babies. So now they're teenagers, young teenagers, and he's had this change. So we decide to go visit him. And so we hop in the car and we drive from Florida up to Canada to go see my dad. And all the way, we're all really excited about it. My kids are just beside themselves about meeting their grandfather for the first time, right? We finally get up to Ontario. We pull up in front of their house and everybody's been really, you know, looking forward to it. They pile out of the car and I can't get out of the car. And they're already in the house and I'm sitting there in the car and I'm feeling all of these negative feelings and and just fear. I'm feeling fear and and anxiety and anger and all of it's just right there. And then I realized, well, I have to go in the house, you know. And so I walked up to the front door and I opened it. And the scene that was in front of me was my father on his knees hugging my two kids. Right. And all that thought just went poof. Right. So even though i had had this insight about my father and what it meant to me, and it really helped me so much, it, it actually changed my entire personality, I still had to go through that once more to see it. You know, I had to go through, and, and I don't know how to say this, in, in, there's no other way to say it, that was actually an amazing experience. Mm. It was one more time when I thought and felt one way, and in the blink of an eye, it shifted when I walked in that door and I really got to see in that split second, the true power and the true fact of how thought, how compelling thought really is, you know? So each time you have an experience with that, you're poking holes in the illusion. And so those experiences are not necessarily negative, you know, and the fact that we go up and down is not really a negative thing. It's, it's the learning, it's lifelong learning from the light of that insight shining on that
1: experience. Yeah, the the quote that's attributed to Sid, you know, that if people could only learn one thing, not to be afraid of their experience, you know, that alone would change the world. And I was, you know, it was, it it looks to me that, that my experience doesn't actually change when I have an insight. It's kind of like, I still have my experiences. but like I'm, I'm less, um, I'm less them, you know, I'm not the experience anymore. It's kind of like that. I'm, I'm more the observer of the experience that, Oh look, you know, I'm getting angry again. Oh look, someone's pissing me off again or something like that. But it's like, isn't that interesting, you know, rather than like, you know, a, a completely different, whereas I was completely connected to the experience before and it was me and it looked like it was something I had to fix. Mm -hmm. that's a lovely way to put it because
0: that really is one of the misunderstandings that's even in the community that um, we we want to feel feel bad because we've had this wonderful insight and now we're back into our thoughts again I love what that reminded me of that quote of SIDS that we shouldn't be afraid of our experience now that's not to say I mean it's a beautiful thing because as we become less afraid of our experience we're not bound by it as much. We get out of it sooner. Right. And it doesn't come back as often. So over time, there is an experiential part of this that that creates that knowledge (laughs) that we can always go home. Right. Mm -hmm. That home is always there. And uh, there's an old uh, story of Bill Pettit that I really love Uh, when he first Bill will tell anybody that when he first met Sid, even as a psychiatrist, he was deeply depressed, right? And it had been for a long time in his life. And after he met Sid, he started having these really positive experiences, and he began to see a little bit of his true self and find his health, but he would still go up and down. The way he describes it, though, is that in the beginning, he lived in this house, he lived in this house, this fictional house, um, of anger and upset and insecurity and fear and after he met Sid, he got to have this vacation home that he could go where it was really peaceful right yeah. he's over the years it's flipped around he lives in his that beautiful vacation home where there's very little of that but every once in a while he visits the old place right and he said he, he distinctly remembers the shift in that balance and so do I so do I I mean one of the ways I refer to it in my sharing, is in a sense we learn to see double. You know, like what I mean by that, you're in it, you know what it is, but in that simple observation and understanding of what it is, you're actually seeing two worlds at once. You're seeing the world of your thinking, you're being affected by it, but you're also seeing what it is, which gives you a much deeper level of faith and you're not as attached to what's going on, so you come out of it sooner. That's the way I see it
1: yeah. And and for me, knowing where home is means that <clears throat> when I notice my experience, I'm less usually, not always. I still have my human moments, but like I'm less, <laughs> I'm less um, inclined to dig into it and try and an, analyze or, you know, do some of my old practices or you know, use some tool or technique or do something. And, and what I find with that is because I know where home is, I, I, you know, I, I always have a sense of like <clears throat> starting to rev myself up, realizing really quickly and going, oh, there's nothing I need to do about this. If I just wait, it'll pass, you know, and it's kind it of is. like most of the time that kind of, you know, I'm able to see that, you know. And that's such
0: a nice way to live because I too have my days when I lose it completely <laughs> and I get caught up again, you know, yeah. but rare it gets rarer and rarer and and it just means that I'm learning something. I may not exactly know what it is, but I'm learning something. I'm seeing something at a deeper level. And and that's the amazing fact, spiritual fact, if you will, about insight is that uh, every deep insight we have will continue to teach us for the rest of our life. You know, it's not just something you have in one moment. And, And the other thing is, it's really not the content of our insight that's so important, you know, like it is. Like one of the intellectual insights I had in the beginning was, I was listening to Sid one time and uh, he made his comment, which I've heard through many recordings and, and many times when I was with him. Something along the lines of all insecurity is an illusion created by thought. Now the first time I heard that I got excited, but I knew I was only hearing it in my head. But even that, it it stirred a level of curiosity because I remember thinking, first time I heard that, on an intellectual level, I remember thinking if that was only 20% true or something like that, my life would be really different. Because as much as my insecurity was expressed in aggression and anger, I knew it was insecurity. And so when he said that, it, it really, it got me on an intellectual level, which It's not that that's without value because what started to happen after that is I would be in a certain situation, I would get the feeling of insecurity, my thinking would start coming in, right? But I would also see that there was nothing, absolutely nothing in the environment to be afraid of. So I began to kind of see it. And then finally, in a really quiet moment, I saw it at a deeper level. But that intellectual part wasn't without value. You know, it, it brought up a level of curiosity and and had me look a little bit deeper at that at that simple spiritual fact that uh, insecurity is an illusion created by thought.
1: Yeah. I, it made me wonder when you were saying that, you know, about the role of listening, you know, and um, in seeing and, and like also about... Um, you know like seeing things intellectually versus knowing as sid would say knowing with a capital you know okay um like really knowing it was true versus knowing it intellectually you know it's like it's, there, there doesn't seem to me to be any um set of real circumstances that you can artificially create for someone to have an insight it's kind of seems that it can happen randomly spontaneously Or then, you know, at times I'll try and get through to someone by, you know, talking to them about listening, getting them into a, you know, a a space Mm -hmm. and feeling and, and at times they do see something, you know, but it's like, but it doesn't seem like that's a rule. You know, it just seems to happen that way sometimes.
0: No, I think it's good to see it not as a rule. There are moments when you see that that's right because you're in the feeling Mm -hmm. you're, you're reading that moment with that person and it's right for that moment. It may not be right at all. The next person you talk to or the next encounter that you have. So again, us being in that state of quiet within ourselves is what allows us to see those moments. Mm -hmm. And um, it's true, you can't make anybody see anything, but the, the most fundamental part of service in my view is that, as Sid would say, don't talk to the mask, talk to the soul behind the mask. So it's more where you're directing what you see you know, if you're directing it to the mask, if you're directing it to the habit, if you're directing it to the behavior, um, we, we both know that there's not much in the way of change that comes from that. On the other hand, if you're really talking to that soul, like take the statement, all insecurity is an illusion created by thought. Now you could say that trying to get somebody to see something, right? And it may help them a little bit, you know? Right. But if you're really in that, that high level of rapport and the feelings, right? And you say that there's a chance of that really getting under the radar right? to where that person hears it for themselves. They don't hear it from you at that point. Yeah. They hear it from within. They, it's something they already know.
1: Yeah, and it has a real different impact, right? On, on people at that level, you know, it's kind of like <clears throat> at one point it's, it's a good idea and at the other, it's kind of life-changing. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's kind of a place for both. I mean, sometimes
0: when you start with people, uh, you know, the blatant example I I would give is if I come across somebody banging their head on a cement wall, I might intellectually say to them, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. Sit down for a minute, right? But that's not where the cure is, you know? The cure is helping them get out of, that busy mind to that quiet so they see that for themselves and I think that's essentially the difference right there so I mean in in my work with people there are practical moments when I'll suggest I can remember recently just suggesting that uh, somebody who was struggling with arguing with their partner that and I I just I couldn't see anything else other than intellectually say just the next time see if you can take a walk and and let it go now that's intellectual you know that's there's not a deep learning in that (coughs) but it did help to quiet things down in the household so that next time we talked, we could go deeper. Now, again, you can't plan that. That's not right for everybody because I just feel in the moment, I was feeling that that was the right thing and we were in a good rapport and it paid off. You know, it really did help. Mm. So it's, it's, again, it's being in that feeling. Yeah.
1: There's something like, I'd love to talk more about, you know, there's for people that are that have spent a lifetime kind of like I shared and like you shared had been, you know, true for you, spent a lifetime in change, you know, in, in trying to change and never really managed it. And I, I would say that for me, you know, when I, I didn't, I didn't make sense to myself, you know, it, it was kind of like, it didn't make sense to me why I wanted to, Let's say, for example, um, let's take eating for an example. I wanted to change my eating habits because I wanted to lose weight. But I would start, and two days later, I would change. I would go back to doing what I was doing before, and and I would sit like contemplating or reflecting, thinking, "What what is the problem here? It can't be the food, you know. It's kind of like because it's like the decision to eat the food that's the problem, you know. Like so, where where do I mean, I guess I know for me the answer to this, but I'd love to hear you share more about it. You know, it's like, why do people start to look when they're, when the? I mean, I guess that's a good sign that something's not right. You know, the fact that you you try to make a decision to change something and somehow it just, just slips away from you and you find yourself repeating the same behavior on a consistent basis. And often for me, like in my experience, that was a lifetime of, of trying to do that, you know? Yeah. And many people, many of us have been caught in those lifetimes, you know. But
0: the way it looks to me is there's a spiritual fact involved here. And the spiritual fact is that the true self is healthy, right? Mm. So searching and trying to fix yourself flies in the face of that fact, right? So the eating one's kind of a good example because we're not eating because we're hungry, we're not eating because food is addictive, we're eating because we're insecure. Yeah, you know, so the underlying problem is the insecurity. And you could say, well, the underlying problem with insecurity is thought, which is true, but you can't sort it out, you can't sort out that thinking from the same thinking that created it. And that's why the quiet mind is so important. You you have to be able to go to neutral, right? And when you go to neutral and you start to experience that health again, then the need to service your insecurity so to speak begins to diminish you know like um before i met sid i i don't know that i was ever an alcoholic but i did drink a lot right and uh, i know that i drank just to get out of whatever state i was in and after i started to learn and, and i started to have these moments of just feeling okay just realizing that on the inside i'm okay and my marriage started to very quickly came together. It was a mess when we first started, but it came together very quickly. And and I I really have to put some cautions with this, but I'm just going to say it. I forgot to drink. You know, it just fell away, you know. Now, I'm not saying anybody out there that's got an issue right now should try and do that. But what I am saying is that when the underlying insecurity begins to subside, many things are resolved. Many things are resolved, but the effort to change flies in the face of it. It um, it creates more insecurity. So if you're, if you're giving yourself a hard time for not changing, for, not, for eating another sandwich or whatever, you're actually creating more of the same feeling that drove it to begin with, which is true in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, but I think that's the heart of all addiction. You know? Yeah.
1: It totally looks that way to me too. It's like, you know, that my, the, the problems that I thought I had disappeared, you know, when I, when I found the understanding that like it would, you know, of how the illusion of life was created in the moment, by thought, and there was no longer anything to do because it just didn't look like a good idea anymore. (laughs) I was doing, you know, it was just kind of like, it fell away. I guess, I guess what I'm, what I would still be curious about is that like, I've heard it described as the speed of thought. You know, it's kind of like often there's no conscious awareness of kind of like of of that process because it happens so quickly that all I'm experiencing is the the phenomenon of a physical craving of wanting to compulsively eat. I didn't like. I'm not in the process of seeing oh, I'm feeling insecure, so I'm wanting, you know, I, it happens all so quickly that, that it's like out of my conscious awareness and all I'm experiencing is this extreme craving of wanting to put something in my mouth, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, again,
0: <clears throat> from my perspective, you as you begin to make time to be quiet, to listen, mm. you're actually kind of, you're strengthening kind of that backdrop of understanding, you know, that, you're going up and down but you're strengthening that that backdrop so my experience is that thought begins to slow down mm. it's not as quick now again having said that i can still have a day when it's really quick and i get really sucked in but it's very minimal it doesn't happen very often and it happens less and less right? so that building of that backdrop of understanding is actually it's 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 begins to create some space between a thought and behavior Way I see it, where I had a great example of a, a new client I was talking to the other day, who's struggled with um, <coughs> uh, his partner with with uh, arguing and so on. And he's, this is this a very straightforward guy? He's an engineer, you know, and he has kind of engineering way of looking at life. Eh? And so we talked about we we had this amazing talk a couple of weeks ago about true self and what we are on the inside, and that I, I encourage him to listen to some recordings to kind of slow things down. And so when I saw him this week, uh, I asked him how it's going, he said, well, you know, it's going pretty good. And he said, but I did, I did have a bad day. I said, well, tell me about it, you know? He said, well, my wife said something and it really set me off. And he said, all I could do was bite my tongue. And I paused for a minute and I said, so in the past, is that what you did? Did you bite your tongue? He laughed. He said, no. <laughs> and I said, so why did you bite your tongue? He said, because I could kind of see what it was in me. You know." Now that doesn't sound like a big deal, but actually it is. You know, It's a higher level of consciousness. And so that the thing about the speed of thought slowing down right, is a direct function of how much time you give yourself just to be quiet and not be worried about your thinking. To be in that space where, you know, you just have gratitude for, for consciousness, just to be alive. And the more we do that, the more we experience that gratitude for being conscious, the more space we have between our thinking and our behavior. That's the way it looks to me, you know? And if I have those days when that doesn't work and I'm in my thinking, I've learned to be kinder to myself about that because I've learned that being kinder to myself about that shortens the duration and, and makes it different the next time. And by being kind to myself, I just mean accepting my humanity, you know, like Sid said, not being afraid of your thinking. That's really what he was talking about is, you know, we look for this new understanding. We look for this lovely feeling, but part of what we need to learn to do that is to, have a certain level of acceptance for our humanity, for the fact that we think, for the fact that we have habits in our thinking. And it's, it's really interesting because, to some degree, the more we fight it, the worse it gets.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, that looks true to me, for sure. Yeah. I, I, get, I guess I'm still a little curious, and I have a question for you, because I know that you've been around this understanding for a long time, is that, <clears throat> have you found that you know the longer time you've spent looking in this direction that 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 that's how it works you know that you're less um susceptible maybe is the right word to just falling into the action before you've actually seen you know the process of what's going on or or is that always the same i mean i I'm, i mean i'm just curious yeah.
0: no it's definitely changed over the years jason definitely changed yeah you know? I remember going to Sid about maybe two years after I met him. I don't really recall for sure, maybe three years. I had a really bad couple of days, and I was really out of it. you know. And I, I, I went and complained to him. I said, you know, I actually feel worse than before I met you today. He laughed. I said, well, it's not funny. You know, and he laughed some more. He said, no, He says, you think you feel worse. You're not really remembering how you felt before you had understanding. He said, in fact, the only reason it really feels worse is that you have something to compare it to, Mm. positive experience to compare it to. So in that sense, it did feel worse. And for some reason, that struck me as funny. And I started to chuckle along with him. We had a really good laugh. But over the years, it just gets better and better. You know, like I've been married for 50 years and this is the best year of our marriage. by a long shot, right? And I don't think too many people can say that. I mean, I know there are people who can, but that's the honest assessment of my marriage and my relationship and my life right now. It's the best part of my life. I'm over 70 and I'm experiencing the best part of my life. And that's because progressively through the years, that learning has come home more and more. And, you know, the spiritual reality within used to be something that I, asp- I aspired to, that I wanted to find, that I wanted to get. But as time goes by and I've had more and more learning and more and more beautiful experiences, I actually see that mostly as the real world now. And the other is the imaginary world. So yeah, over the years, no question. And everybody I know that's learned from this over the years would tell you the same thing, I think. And I'm sure there's exceptions. I'm sure, sure there's people that have gone backwards and stuff like that. But if they've really continued to listen to themselves, to that uh, the recording I listened to this morning, I I, never, I, don't, I don't know why I didn't remember this, but Sid was referring to the true mind as opposed to the imaginary mind, our, per, our personal selves. And anybody that's kept had a life of looking in that direction, I guarantee you that their life is better as it goes on, better and better. And uh, I know that just this week, for whatever reason, I've just been feeling so grateful for this experience, so grateful. I mean, I I still can't believe this has been my life in a way, you know? Like, it's just, the biggest billionaire in the world, and I know this is true, could offer me every cent they've got to trade places, and I wouldn't. I, there's nothing I need, you know? And so I know that's kind of a strong statement, but that's the way I feel about it is, and if I could talk to you in 20 years, I got a feeling you would pretty much tell me the same thing with a lot of great gratitude in your heart. you know. So at first we feel this great gratitude when we first learn, because we see things drop away and it feels really dramatic, right? Mm. And then later on, as, as I see it, it just becomes such a, integral part of your experience this learning and this growing that it doesn't seem to be as big a deal but it is you know and so you end up like myself at 70 years old and 50 years of marriage feeling just really grateful so anybody that's listening the beginning of this journey is exciting but it takes you to a place and just guarantees a better life in my view
1: yeah wow there's one of the things you always say to me and that's there's no one more spiritual than you you know you have said that to me a few times and it's like and I guess I wonder you know that you've been around you know this conversation and sharing this understanding for a long time it's kind of like do you think that once people have an experience of seeing the truth of who we really are and, and how our reality is created, that's something that's beneficial or it doesn't really matter? Well, oh, I think it's beneficial, of course. Um, and it
0: doesn't matter in this sense, okay? We're, we're talking kind of like two different worlds here. Yeah. In, in the sense that I know that every single person has this wisdom within them, we are all the same. In that sense, it doesn't matter, right? But when I watch people Actually, become aware of that and their consciousness about it rise, and I see the beauty that it brings to their lives. Then I know that discovering it and growing in it is just the most amazing gift I can imagine. You know, like there's nothing in my life that has had a bigger impact. And so you could say that before I met Sid Banks, I had all that wisdom, you know, but I wasn't accessing it, you know. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind when somebody comes across this that it changes the quality of their life, the quality of their thinking, the quality of their experience. They look at life from a higher level of consciousness.
1: I mean it's uh, I can't speak for everyone, you know, but it's certainly been true for me. Um, <clears throat> you know and I speak to I speak to other people that are in my world that have that are not of this understanding that haven't looked in the direction of the three principles, who also seem to have some experience of um joy and happiness in their life and, and also plenty of experience of misery. You know yeah. and 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 that they, they they're happy with a you know they, they understand that beliefs are, are concepts and that they're made up and that you know and but they're kind of like um they say well some beliefs are good and they're kind of happy with you know that they just don't want to look in another direction you know i think like, in general what i'm trying to say is that some people love their illusion you know well
0: that's true but some people's illusion is naturally thinner you know, uh, when, I, when I went to work in, uh, as an HR manager in heavy manufacturing, uh, I got the job because I had this amazing discussion with the general manager about separate realities and about re-engaging with the employees. There was a lot of union issues and so on. So I get this job and, and, you know, what I'm going to be doing at some point is sharing this understanding to help bring people together. And I have intentions of do that, but I'm smart enough at that time at least to lay low for the first six months or so, just to get to know the job and get to know the people. Well, one of the people I got to know was this guy, Brian, who was the plant manager. So I really was kind of full of myself about what I knew and how wise I was and everything, right? But I have to admit that in those months when bad stuff happened or really big issues came up or whatever, I definitely didn't react nearly as well as Brian did right he um he would just when things went to hell he would just have this little smile on his face and he'd say don't worry we'll, we'll work it out you know and, and he had total confidence in that right we can work this out we just got to talk and i noticed that at the general management meeting the, the the management team he was the one who said the least right but when things went to hell he was the one that the most people went to including the general manager, right? So I also got to know this guy on a personal level We became friends, and I saw that his personal life was the same. He had a wonderful marriage. Um, They had adopted a kid, a teenage kid who was really out of control, and pretty soon she was just doing incredible. So what I saw on that is that, in a sense, he was a natural. You know, he had a real understanding that thought wasn't everything that, you know... (laughs) that being in a positive state of mind was was not only healthy, but it was incredibly effective, right? So finally after six months, I did my first training on the three principles and state of mind. I I couched in the whole idea that state of mind is a, is a profound factor in performance communications and professional relationships, right? So we did this and it went pretty well. But my, the whole time I'm thinking, I wonder what Brian thinks of this, you know? So when we were done, we are walking up the hall, and I said, well, Brian, what did you think? He just looked with that same slow grin on his face. He says, common sense. Just common sense. (laughs) So he had it, you see, you know. And he did say something uh, a year or so later. He'd been to a whole bunch of trainings, and he said what he appreciated about the trainings was it gave him a language to help the people around him.
1: That's the way he saw it. I learned a lot from them. I really did. The word common sense, you know, it's, um, it comes up a lot and it's like people, when people see something, they often say, it just makes common sense. It just seems so, so simple. And it's like, and, and I know Sid talks a lot about complexity being, being the enemy, you know, versus simplicity is, is, is the direction to look in. And and complexity is of the, is of the intellect, you know, uh, um, simplicity you know is of our true self you know mm-hmm. um and and when people i've noticed when people are starting to see you know looking this direction people that i'm working with that they go just makes so much sense it just seems yeah so st- i love that yeah. yeah i remember the quote from Sid
0: about that was that all complexity can only be understood from simplicity but simplicity cannot be understood from complexity
1: yeah
0: i love that you know and it's been proven in my life. It's been proven. You know, when I, when I think of the complexity of my relationship with my dad as an example, how much thought I had around that, mm. how much it affected the way I interacted with the world, my habits, you know, the whole thing. And all of that was so complicated, you know. Yeah. And in a quiet moment, I had a single insight about it. I remember having that insight that just seeing that my father was living in a world that was handed to him. And he had no idea there were any ba- anything outside of that world, yeah. and he, I just saw that if he would have known better, he would have done better. And in that moment, I remembered feeling this feeling of love for my father, you know, and just seeing his psychological innocence. But in doing that, I saw a big chunk of my own psychological innocence, and I was able to let go of so much. The next day after that experience. I felt amazingly light, I just amazingly light. And I knew what it was. I knew that there were volumes and volumes of, and layers of thought and feelings wrapped around my memories from that experience. You know. And that in seeing the real spiritual fact of what it was in that quiet moment, those volumes and volumes fell away. And it had a profound effect on my personality and my way of interacting with the world. So again, that, that's such a simple thought, to see that that soul was just a lost soul, an innocent, psychologically innocent person. I mean, not that you would put up with the behavior, that's that's a separate subject, right? Mm. But to see it in such a simple focus that allows so much of that other thought that had been going on for years, I mean, just to fall away.
1: I think that's such a big thing for anyone struggling because you know, in my experience with the people I've worked with, especially people with addictions, they carry around so much resentment, you know, because yeah. they, they can't understand. <clears throat> and, and me too, even with my own my own family, you know, at the time, it's kind of like, and, and I had that same similar insight to you where I just thought, oh, you know, they're doing the best they can. You know, yeah. it's kind of, like, it, it, this is how the world looks to them versus this is how it looks to me. But I find with, you know, people carry around, um, you know, what what we call justified resentments. You know, it's kind of like where it feels, they feel right about the fact that if somebody hadn't done a certain thing, they wouldn't be feeling their sense of resentment. And just seeing that psychological innocence that you talked about is like, like you said, it's like you would feel lighter because it's like lifting the weight of the world off your shoulders, just freeing you from, from that experience of not being able to see how someone else's reality is, you know?
0: Yeah. I like that you use the word free because that experience became the definition of freedom for me. Freedom from that whole world of thought, you know, freedom to not take other people's stuff personally, you know, to see that innocence. It's just, you can see what kind of a relationship that the kind of forgiveness has to a quiet mind. It's, It's basic math, really. You know, there's, volumes and volumes of thinking around resentment and and thinking we're not even aware of at a subconscious level so when that falls away that is my definition of freedom to be free from that you know
1: well i'm sure we could carry on but we're coming to the end of time you know it's um i love where the conversation has gone and um you know you know from seeing it as a you know from being caught up you know, thinking, you know, what we talked about at the start about how change looks and all the things you have to do to change to just a simple, you know, misunderstanding, you know, which is, yeah. which is beautiful, really. And, and how, free, you know, and talking about freedom, you know, how free it feels just to not have that, that misunderstanding and carry the weight of the world around with you. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it's a funny thing. I'll just say this, that when, when Sid used to talk about forgiveness, it would upset me in the beginning. When I have that experience, I, it's, I remember telling the story to somebody, and they said, well, oh, that's so great you were able to forgive your father. And I, what I immediately thought was, you know, I really didn't. I didn't have to. It's just like I just understood, you know. There's nothing to forgive once you understand. And I, I've said this before as a bit of a joke, but I think it's really true. It's like, would you forgive somebody for having the flu, you know. You know, it's just, it just is what it is. Yeah. But I know this for all of us is that we're all looking for that moment when we stop projecting the world that we've projected forever. Like like that story about my dad, we just for split seconds, stop the world. And for me, listening to Sid's recordings and materials offers me that opportunity not to listen to him as much as to listen to me, to get quiet enough that my world just stops for a split second and I get to see a new world. And, uh, I just love that about this. And I, I got to tell you, Jason, this might be the best interview I've ever had with anybody. I really appreciate how you, you handled this. It was great. Absolutely great. And I, I feel like I learned a lot from you today.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. It's, a, it's been a nice feeling and it's been a nice exploration. Thanks for that. All right, my friend. Good to see you.